Hello, how are you? It's Maria from Strong Body, Strong Soul. And I am wondering, I had a question for you. What is your, how would you explain the difference between using humor to make people laugh? And where to draw the line on being a jerk? By using humor in inappropriate ways at the expense of others. If you wouldn't mind, I would love to have your opinion a little bit. If you have time to listen to my episode that I did yesterday about not that we all take turns being the a-hole. The a-hole. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it on Instagram as well. But here on Anchor, sometimes people use humor in inappropriate ways. And I am all for being funny and borderline inappropriate. But there's a line. Let me know what you think. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another edition, electronic edition, or if you'd like to say ad-ition. Welcome to another ad-ition of Inspirato Projecto. Maria Humphreys left a voice message for me concerning uh, being an a-hole. Whether it be just out there in the world, in situations uh, concerning, let's say, road rage type situations, uh, uh, using humor to be to be a jerk, all those kinds of things, and I tried to. <laughs> You can't really summarize. I can't really summarize all of it uh, in a couple of messages. I sent her a couple of messages about it. This is... These are all my opinions. This is interesting. The, the fine line between sarcasm and facetiousness. I view sarcasm as something where it's an easy uh, thing for anybody who's, who's saying something mean or being terrible and they're trying to make it sound like it's this funny thing, usually at the expense of others, and usually so they look like the, the you know, king of the hill and whatnot in front, front of others still. You know, put you down, they'll say this stuff. And then if you call them out on it, if you go, hey, man, that's really not cool. Like, you just said that, right? That's not really nice. And they'll go, what? Jeez, don't get so defensive, man. I was just joking. Gosh, jeez, lighten up a little. And you're thinking, well, undermining me or 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 just saying just, just tear, just like mean-spirited things does not seem like a joke to me. It doesn't seem like something we can all laugh with together. I've noticed with sarcastic folks, I had a friend who I stopped hanging out with. It, it really, I got enough of it. I just had two, I got, I just had it up to here. 
<laughs> with it. Uh, after all these years of just trying to be the, you know, what's the word I'm thinking of? Congenial? Is that the right word? Congenial? Just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, ignoring it. Oh yeah, that's just kind of how that person is. Oh, that's just their humor, blah, 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 blah. But I found that, like, if I were to, if I were to put it on a scale of, like, the amount of times that the humor was actually truly not humor and it was something that was mean-spirited and just gross, disguised as humor. We put that on one side of the scale, and then on the other side of the scale, the fun times, the light, you know, the enlightening times, the great times, the actually laughing from the gut times, the, the, it was more in the favor of the sarcasm aspect of it, the hurtful things. And I realized throughout that, that time, I, I, I saw goodness within them. I saw great potential within them. I'd been with, you know, in, in experiences where they, they were just shining brightly, just the best version of themselves. And with my friends, anybody, I want to see the best version of themselves shine through. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> I'll say to a fault, a big fault, my fault, and sometimes folks are just not prepared or don't know what to do with this greatness that they see in themselves. And so as a result of depression, as a result of me, poor me, as a result of whatever, just not getting over themselves, their ego getting in the way, it's hard for them to see the, they're looking at a pixel, but there's an entire painting. There's, you step back, there's an entire painting. And so I get bent out of shape so often. And this person would be like, oh, geez, you're getting so defensive. And I'm like, you just said something mean. What? I'm just kidding. Now, what's interesting in those situations with some of these folks that I've come across who are that, you know, what? Just kidding. You know, that, that just mean, sarcastic kind of way of saying things. I would go, I would, I would switch in my brain. I go, okay. If they're just joking, I'm going to take every single little sarcastic thing they say. Even, even though they know and I know that it's meanness disguised as humor, it's like the umbrella. It's like, oh, I got, I got the license to kill, right? I got the license to kill. Because if we keep... Oh, anyway, so in those times, I would find myself then going, okay... They're just joking. I will totally redefine how I look at this then. And then I would react to it with, you know, a yes and kind of improvisation. I would react to it in that sense, thinking, okay, cool, cool. Let's keep, you know, let's keep playing in this realm here. You're going to bring this up. Fine, let's keep going with it. And then they'll stop. They'll stop and then I'll see them actually become like, like, oh, this isn't, I can see the gears turning in their brain. It's like, oh, this isn't going in the direction I expected. Like, wait, they're thinking I'm joking right now. So then they switch and then they go, and then the true motivation is then revealed. Then they'll tell me, you know, that, you know, I'll, I'll then realize that, oh, you weren't joking. Hmm. So the weird dichotomy of it is that if you get offended 
while someone is being sarcastic and actually being overtly rude but hiding it with, you know, trying to make it sound like it's this funny thing, if you get defensive, you call them out, you're the bad guy, right? It's your fault. It's your issue. If you play along with them and go, now they get bothered because they're like, oh, wait, I don't have a handle on this person anymore. I've lost my leverage. They took what I just said right there as a joke. Wait, no, but I actually meant what I said there. Hmm, oh, I'm so confused. And it's kind of like, um, you know, that idea of like, we don't like, to, we don't like, to, a lot of times we don't like to eat our own medicine that we're given out there. If that's the case, well, then shouldn't we examine what kind of medicine we're putting out there? If people are feeding back to us, it's feedback. It's an echo. If you go, you're and you hear that echo and it comes back to you and you don't like it, what do you do? You adjust it. You adjust it. Uh, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting the way that definitions work, the way that we choose to define certain things. So don't feel bad if you cut someone out of your life or put them on mute on Twitter or put them, uh, block them on Facebook. This is the beauty of today's social networks is that we actually get to, this is a symbolic representation of the fact that we actually get to create our own reality experiences. We get to choose what we want to have in there. And if it's harmful to us, if, we've, if those people are like, you know, poison ivy or poison oak, you get all itchy all over the place, breaking out in rashes, well, why are we sticking around those people? We shouldn't feel bad for cutting them out of our lives. So that's what I did. I started cutting out those out of my lives and most importantly, facing towards those who I did want in my life, putting that beacon on. Now, here's something about facetiousness. Facetiousness is a fun, it's like, um, okay, so, like, facetiousness. My Uncle Arnie, just the king of, you never knew whether he was, whether he was serious or not. He was always committed to the joke. He was always committed to the joke. He never let on. Like, um, when we were little kids, my brother and I, we'd go out there to Whitewater, Wisconsin, where he lived. And there was a little island out there in the middle of this whitewater um, uh, lake, right? The lake that he lived on. There was this little sort of island out there. And my brother and I were like, Uncle Arnie, what's out there on that island? He goes, oh, boys, those are, those are pygmies out there. Pygmies? What are pygmies, Uncle Arnie? Oh, pygmies, little guys, little guys. They got those blowguns, you know, they got the gun, and they shoot those poison darts at you. You don't, you don't want to go on that island. They'll get you. And so we grew up with this idea that they're, you know, is that really true, Uncle Arnie? You know, and then he would grow upon that even more. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it was just, it was amazing. It was just beautiful. It was amazing. And so we grew up our lives, you know, never really truly knowing whether Uncle Arnie was joking or not. And he had all kinds of great stories like that. This facetiousness, this growing it, the yes and where it really doesn't even matter what you're talking about. It's just the fact that you're enjoying each other's company. It's, uh, you end up finding out that the words are just more, it's just syllables and jarbled. It's just wordplay. And uh, so, so I remember my, uh, my dad was, we, we took Uncle Arnie's pontoon boat out there. Josh, me, my dad, and Uncle Arnie, 
we were on the pontoon boat, and we got near the island. We were getting near the island. And Uncle Arnie's like, okay, boys, you know, stay, stay close by. You don't know if those pygmies are going to come out. And uh, so we parked on this little island, and we're like, Dad, are those pygmies out here? And he just, he neither confirmed nor denied. He just kind of went along with it, which I love the fact that he did that. So facetiousness is a playfulness. Facetiousness is a playfulness. Someone asked me, oh, what did you do this weekend? I might say, well, I was on a, you know, I was on a boat, coconut boat. We were just going around collecting coconuts. It was crazy, just eating all these coconuts. Beautiful, wonderful. Have you ever had a fresh coconut pie? You know, just, just fun and games, fun and games. Uh, so facetiousness is more of a fun, playful, just fun, playful. Sarcasm, I view, is a, there's a dark underlining thing in there. And then when you look down the rabbit hole, at that person's life, of the person who's being sarcastic, you go, okay, so you go, okay, what, what's going on in their life right now? What's currently going on in their life that could explain this behavior? Oh, well, maybe they're tired, maybe they're hungry, maybe they're, maybe they're, um, maybe a relative is in the hospital, maybe uh, they got a flat tire and it really, you know, crap, you know, now I gotta save up money to try to buy a, a, a new tire, um, it could be any number of, of things. And then and you go, oh, okay, that's why they're being so mean. That's why they're being rude right now, because of these things. Now, that doesn't necessarily excuse it. However, now at least we know we, we've gotten to the root of the mystery a little bit. And, uh, you know, perhaps if those, if those roots were smoothed over or resolved in some way, there wouldn't be this sarcasm, this, this rudeness, this uh, whatever, the ego. I, now, having said all that, Maria was saying, okay, everyone gets, you know, everyone kind of becomes the a-hole at some point. At some point, there are those things, there are those times where you're like, oh my God, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're being a little bit of, you're being a jerk to people. And you look at that and you go, aha, here's what's going on. It's because of this, this, and that. Do I need to be a jerk right now? No. Uh, one of the points that she brought up was recognizing it. When you do it in that moment and you recognize what you're doing, you go, oh my God, I just said this mean thing. Or I just... Uh, snapped at this person or, you know, whatnot, whatever it is. And you recognize it and you go, okay, I, you know what? I own it. I did that. That was me. And we can apologize in that moment. I've been apologizing to my buddy Dave Uchansky up and down the hallways for the past three weeks. In theory, it sounds like fun putting on a film festival. It sounds like fun and it can be. I think if each person is assigned the job that they do best at, everything can really run smoothly. Now, having said that, when we're put through specific challenges, that is how we grow, as it's been said. We grow. We now know this new skill. Now there's not this fear of the unknown. Andy Kaufman says, whatever is unknown 
is magnified. How interesting is that? Whatever is unknown is magnified. Now, knowing that, because the unknown can be anything. The unknown can be anything. This is perhaps why people are scared of the dark. Maybe they had some, maybe, maybe some crazy kid in a Halloween mask jumped out and scared scared the bejesus out of them when they were younger in the dark. And so from that point forward, every time they think of the dark, like, oh my gosh, what could be hiding in the dark? Ah. Whatever is unknown is magnified. Maybe other people have had wonderful times in the dark. Maybe always camping growing up, playing hide and seek in the dark. So when they think of the dark, it's like, ooh, who could be hiding out there? Oh yeah, you know, what kind of, what kind of, uh, I'm curious now, what kind of things are, are playing peekaboo with me? It's that kind of, you know, choosing to, to, to define to define it how we, we want. So whatever is unknown is magnified. For some reason, a lot of times the default mode for folks is, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so scared. And then they get terrified and they get nervous and it's hard for them to just be. Um, it's been said that anxiety and excitement, which makes so much sense, anxiety and excitement is the same, it's born from the exact same energy. It's that fight or flight function. So anxiety and excitement are both the same, the same energy, just different sides of, of the coin. So we can either be anxious about an unknown situation or we could be excited about, ooh, what's to come, what's to come, what's to come. Whatever is unknown is magnified, magnified. So when I first looked at the Kapow Intergalactic Film Festival and I look at this and I go, oh my God, there are so many movies. There are 166 movies. Holy moly. And now the task is watching these movies and then deciding which ones we have time for. See, then you got to come up with a schedule. Okay, how many days are we going to do this? All right, it's a week. So how many hours out of that week do we actually have to put movies up on the screen? All right, well, Monday, Tuesday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they cannot show their first movie until 1 o'clock p.m. And then they require, the, the movie theater requires that you have a half an hour minimum in between each film block, if you will, maybe it's a block of short films, maybe it's just a feature film, but you need a half, at least a half an hour, because you got if you factor in the, the Q and A. So let's say the filmmakers there, they want to do a Q and A, they want to talk about this, you want to interview them. Which, by the way, my my mission is to get as many of these Q and As as possible on Inspirato Projecto, and let these filmmakers know about it, and so they can they can you know check it out and. And, uh, and, and and be a part of it. Listen to it. Listen to Inspirato Projecto. Hear their, hear their stories. Pass them on to other people. So then you're thinking, okay, 1 o'clock. They open up at 1 o'clock. They require a, a half an hour minimum in between each block. And then let's say uh, during the... During, and then their last showing is probably about 10.30-ish, between 10 and 10.30. So now when you get down to it, you're going, okay... Okay, how much screen time do we truly have here? How many movies do we have here? And then you get into, okay, what's the running time of this? What's the running time of that? What's going to pair up well with this? It becomes like a mixtape, like the old-fashioned mixtapes. Each, each block is like a mixtape. You've got to kind of figure out the, you know, the, 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 the good ways to place it.
So it becomes this crazy thing. Whatever is unknown is magnified. Well, you got that right because I'm looking at all this and I'm going, oh my God, and I'm becoming overwhelmed because math is not my favorite thing. Not my favorite thing. Not my favorite thing. And I don't like making something and then having to go back and uh, revise things. I don't, I don't know if anybody really loves doing that. I guess that's something I just got to get over. I just got to go, okay, it's part of the process. I will, you know, I got to just trust myself. I have to remember at this point in time right now and go, okay, I trust myself that next year it's going to come easier. Main point here is I'll be on the phone with Dave Uchansky and we're, we're gonna, we, we'll look through these, these movies and find out, okay, someone pulled their movie. They weren't able to put it in there because they're doing a different film festival or this person didn't send it yet. And so there's this crazy frantic stuff. There are tons of little moving things. And I, I'll just be, I'll find myself getting very cranky, very grumpy, very rude with, with Dave. And I'm like, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm constantly apologizing to him. Like, look, I'm being a jerk right now. I know this. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's not you. It's my frustration with what's happening right now. It's totally not you, and I'm sorry that you're the one on the phone to, to, to get this. Like, blah. And it's interesting. Each time I decide, each time I know that I'm going to get back on the phone with him, I try to make an amends with myself going, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to play nice. I don't want to be a jerk. I want to play nice. I want to play nice. And then I and then I am just getting pretzeled up. I feel the walls closing in. You know, like they say, never corner a possum. Do not put the po Nobody puts possum in the corner. Why? Because they'll jump at you. They'll scratch your eyeballs out. That's how it feels. Like that's why I don't play chess or checkers. Closing in on me. Closing in on me. Monopoly. Same thing. Uh, I get really. Like, I can't see a way out. I'm just like, so, I guess the moral of this, <laughs> the moral of this, I guess I have to tell myself is that my higher mind knows all about it. My higher mind can figure it out. It's possible to, quote, go through the gauntlet, unquote, so to speak, go through that and still do it in a relaxed, loose fashion, it is possible. I need to remember this. So this is a message to my future self. Kurt, be nice when you're on the phone, you're doing the kapow stuff. Just be nice. Be nice. It can happen, right? The stress, especially when you say yes to a lot of stuff. I say yes to a lot of stuff to get done, projects, assignments, things to edit, things to draw. For instance, my friend wants me, my friend Renee wants me to design a tattoo for her. What a dream. Someone wants me to design a tattoo? Holy moly. That's something I should have gotten right on. That's something I should do as soon as I get off this, right? Um, boy, oh boy. I mean, it's, it's just nuts. It's crazy. Uh, so I suppose looking at the reasons why we're being the way that we are, catching ourselves in those moments when we're being rude, when we're, when we're just acting like a jerk, when we 
act out of place, out of alignment. When we act out of alignment from the, the amazing creator that we are. The highest version. These tasks, maybe that they, okay, so it, it's like the which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. When you say yes to something. Saying yes, the higher mind, okay, I'd like to believe that our higher mind would not place a series of, of possibilities and exciting circumstances for, that, 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 closely, that closely reflect our highest joys and passions. I cannot imagine the higher, the higher mind would place these opportunities into our path for us to say yes to only to completely not be able to fulfill that task. It's like it's only because we're able to handle it that the offer is given to us. How cool is that? So everything that seems like it's a crazy thing, I'd like to believe that our higher mind believes enough in us to present us with that opportunity to go, yep, you've got the tools in your toolbox. You've got the experience. You've got the, 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 the gumption. You've got the go-getter attitude, and you can take care of this. You can do this. That's all part of the yes, saying yes to, to this, these unknown possibilities. And when we can just link up that reservoir of going, yeah, 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 I've, this has happened in the past where I've said yes to a lot of things and I found, you know, I had the time to be able to craft them in the shape, put them in a shape, make it work in my favor. That's the other thing too. I talk about the alignment. Um, it's the alignment that I want personally for myself. Not the public persona that I want to stay in line with. Not the public persona. Because then that's just a limited, that's just a limited perspective to constantly look through. It's the alignment, the alignment with this this very soul this very peace this 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 star that i'm carrying around that we each carry around the main important thing is that we have to hang out with this person every single moment every single millimoment bazilla moment every single bazilla moment we are we're hanging out with this person so do we want to stay true to their awesomeness, to their greatness? Do we think that's important? Or do we, th or do we think it's more important to sort of Just be the best version of yourself, please. Not for my benefit, for your benefit. You'll be happier living with yourself. I'll be happier 
living with myself. And as a result of us doing that, we'll continue bouncing off of one another and contributing greatness out there into the world for one another, for everyone, and beyond. Now I'm going to play a message sent to me from Mr. Turetsky. And then after that, I'm going to play a song, the uh, Max Neptune and the Menacing Squid opening title song from that movie, Retro Sci-Fi I was in, which is free. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. Max Neptune and the Menacing Squid. Luis Nariño did the did the music. He did the entire soundtrack, which you can find on SoundCloud. If you put if you search for Max Neptune and the Menacing Squid soundtrack, you can hear his amazing soundtrack. I think uh, John Williams would be proud. Okay, that is that's all for now. More later. Thank you for whistling to Inspirado Projecto. Whether you're in Southern California, whistling. Or you're in South Florida, whistling. Or South Bronx, whistling. Or South Park, whistling. When you boil an octopus, it makes a whistling sound as soon as you put it into the water and dies. Whistling! like your best man speech idea in addition to that maybe maybe this uh best man speech writer has never been a best man before just a thought so what you just heard there was a song a score if you will from Max Neptune and the Menacing Squid, which is a retro sci-fi film that was birthed from the idea of 
those retro sci-fi, those great classics, the Flash Gordon serials, Commando Cody serials, John Garside from Forgotten Tales. You just heard him, actually, um, just so we could kind of uh, uh, attribute a genius to the film, which then, this film idea just got more and more people interested and excited. He found me through MySpace and Colin Fleming, the visual effects extraordinaire. He's the guy who did, who animated all by himself, Lloyd the Rockin' Unicorn. Look that up. John Garside does a bunch of voices for it. And so, growing up, John's dad would show him these old serials. Flash Gordon, Commando Cody, and throughout the years, John, you know, just the, the idea just kept growing and growing. And he, he's like, man, you know, I'd really love to make something like that. So Max Neptune was going to be a very short, you know, just short thing. And then, and then it was going to be, and then it extended into a sort of a 20 minute idea. Well, then that grew into more and more, more ideas. And then it, it basically, it grew into 40, the total running time is 43.21. And on MySpace, so Colin, Colin did a, I think it was like 30 seconds or a minute of what he, of his version, his vision as to how, what he was going to do with the special effects. And I saw that and I said, okay. I, this is a dream come true. I've got to be a part of this. I remember seeing behind the scenes stuff for Star Wars for the very first time. And they had the Millennium Falcon shot with those guys flying in the Millennium Falcon. It was showing in the behind the scenes the ways that they were doing that. They were showing the blue screen. And I couldn't seem to wrap my brain around that as a little kid. And so I... You know, I envisioned what that would be like to fly a rocket ship, to pretend that, that you know, to react to things. And so when this came along, I jumped at this chance. And this is one of those things where you just follow your intuition, you follow your passion, and you, you make it. It's not a question of, oh, gosh, you know, will I... Can I ever get through this thing? Well, no, it's just, it's a question of, this is my intention. This is my idea. And it, I'm going to create it. It's all there is to it. So throughout that whole time, he kept hearing people telling him, oh, why don't you just do something simple? Do a romantic comedy. People sitting on a couch, one location. And John's like, nah, I kind of, I really want to do a science fiction film. So it was during that time that we learned a lot about chroma key about green screens i got a chance to see what goes into making visual effects cgi the wire frames these guys were sending us little examples of what was going on colin colin would they had to buy i think it was like eight computers they made this super brain they put these computers together so it could actually keep up with the rendering process. 
of the computer effects, putting every single little pixel in every single little place. And it was fascinating to watch. It was fascinating. So we shot, I think on the weekends, Dominic Alfano, he... He did all the makeup effects. He worked on some trauma films in the past. Poultry Geist was one of them. Can't think of the other ones offhand. However, he basically did everything for free. He just charged whatever it cost for the materials. He was working at a, uh, a uh, what do you call it? Some kind of office some uh, or uh, some kind of business where they... They did, you know, they had the machines where you could, you could create, create this stuff. So Dominic sculpted the chest piece. He made the tentacles. He made the, the monocle, Dr. Agach's monocle. He made the Martian the Kid head, and then he played Martian the Kid. He made the uh, shambles. Shambles is a, is a creature that's on... Tatters and Shambles, those guys are on the Menacing Squid. They help out Dr. Agach. And so Dominic made those face pieces. Just, just a brilliant mastermind. A whole bunch of people who really wanted to make a science fiction film. So John and Colin, John was doing all the, uh, the editing. Colin was doing all the visual effects. John had to do some rotoscoping. And I think Colin went to Cal State. Is that what it was? Cal State. And it's just amazing. It takes place in future Whittier. Any of you people who live out there in Whittier, it takes place in the future Whittier. 2055, I believe. Just a very, very fun project. So... We shot on the weekends, basically, and it became a full-time job for those two guys. They had their full-time jobs in the daytime, and then they'd come home and they'd do their second full-time job, which was working on Max Neptune. So I suggest any of you who have ideas, dreams, thoughts about wanting to create stuff, go for it. Just go for it. As Han Solo says, never tell me the odds. Don't look at the odds. Don't look at the statistics. Don't look at the whatever, the probabilities. Or if you do, inst instead of looking at the, the odds, statistics, and probabilities as something like, ch you know, usually the, the phrase is this, chances are, it's an oversaturated market, chances are, this will never happen. Oh, uh, chances are, I'll never be able to do it. Well, look at those Look at those and defy the odds. Say, look at all that. Cool. This is great. People win the lottery all the time. People win gold medals all the time. People win spelling bee trophies all the time. So, you know, carve your own destiny. Create your own destiny. Our higher minds will not give us these ideas if it does not already supply the answer. As, as it's been said, the, the answer is within the question. Can I do it? Well, the answer is, I can do it. <laughs> the answer is within the question.
And what you do, too, the thing to always remember is to gather the momentum of those who are in that similar mindset. Keep it moving, keep it flowing, keep it growing, keep it glowing. This is why the other day when, when, when uh, you heard the podcast with me and Reverend Mark and Tara, Tara, Tara of Tara, when we're going around, the synchronicities were flowing like mad. Why was that? Because they are both open to receiving them. I am, uh, of course, open to receiving them and celebrating them. And when these things come along and we celebrate them and we're excited about their, their, their appearances into our, their peekaboos into our reality experiences, we, you know, we get more and more of them. Momentum keeps moving. Why wouldn't we want to have those kinds of things around us? We have so much information out there that's really trying to make the magic, uh, trying to explain the magic away, the practicality of it. Well, that's just because this. Oh, well, that's just because that. Oh, and that's just because this. Why, why are we choosing to explain away magic? Oh, that's just because this. All right. Well, if it makes you feel good to say that, then go by all means. Does it feel better to say that vibration, to have that, to hold that vibration? Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's only happening because of this. No, 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 no. You know what tone of voice I'm talking about. The wah, wah, wah kind of tone of voice. Does it feel good? It doesn't feel good to me, as you can tell. What feels good to me is... I love getting to the roots of, of things. That helps enhance the magicality of the whole thing. I met a guy one time who used to be, I guess he was one of those guys who would go in uh, for paranormal stuff. He'd go in there with the gauges and the machines and, you know, all that stuff, all the technology. And so throughout time, he kind of became jaded with this stuff. And he's like, oh, well... You know, all it is is just this trapped energy that's, you know, it's not really this ghost. It's just this trapped energy that just, you know, it just, it's there. And, and I'm like, whoa, whatever the explanation is, that's pretty damn fascinating. To which he replied, what, what's the big deal? It's just trapped energy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I'm thinking, whoa, whoa. What is not fascinating about something that is, yeah, on the surface, you can kind of explain it in a very sort of feeble human terms. We can all do that. But how enlightening and how exciting is the explanation? How exciting is that? Wow. So, there's so many things going on. Throughout all these years, uh, you know, what's so cool is that quantum mechanics are now becoming more and more, they're rising to the surface. It used to be called pseudoscience. And 
I'm not even going to question the motivations behind those who label it as pseudoscience. They've got their own agendas. However, those of us who really dive into really <laughs> looking at what quantum mechanics is all about, it is fascinating. It puts all the power into our hands with that information. I would love to see the explanation of quantum mechanics and how to apply it. That is the kind of science. That's the root of all science. That is the science. That is science. That is what we're all trying to... All science is, is just trying to explain the, the seemingly unexplainable. That's all science is. Discovering new things with new tools. Are you back from work already? No, I'm Oh, okay. Hello there. We are currently waiting at the subway here. And on my way to get a Help out Davy Chansky with his mom. <clears throat> Dave has to work tonight, and uh, his mom has gotten a little. What's the word I'm thinking of? She gets a little. Uh, she gets a little. Uh, not weird necessarily is the word I want to use, but kind of, uh, kind of upset, I guess. When Dave leaves, she, she starts knocking on uh, neighbors' doors and wondering where Dave is and everything. And, uh, <coughs> and so he, want, he was hoping that uh, I could go over there and and watch over his mom, make sure that everything's cool with her. So we shall see how that evolves. There's a sleeping man here. I'm wondering if maybe I ought to say something to him. He just arrived at his location. Um, yeah, what the hell? We're going to wake him up. Excuse me, sir. Sir? 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 Your, uh, the train just pulled in. I don't know if the, I think this might be your stop. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure you didn't sleep through your. Uh, you need some help? No, I got Okay, it. you're welcome. goes on with these folks. Um, you never know whether they are just, you know, they've just got nowhere to go and they just want to sleep on the train, or if they do got some place to go. If I remember one time there was a woman who was sleeping and I woke her up and she goes, why'd you wake me up? I said, well, 
I just want to make sure you were okay. She goes, I'm, of course I'm okay. I'm sleeping. And I said, well, now, now I know. Thank you. I'm glad that you're doing well. <laughs> I'm glad that you're only sleeping. <laughs> it's so intriguing. It's amazing walking through walking through the Hollywood hinterlands. It's funny, once uh, people see my little microphone on here, they start wondering what might be going on. What's great too is that it enables me to talk out loud to myself in a very, in a very open and simple fashion. Being able to talk to myself. I gotta tell you, by talking out loud to yourself, it inspires tons more ideas. And, and especially if you go for a walk and you talk to yourself. Because you're gonna come across so many situations that you didn't realize were there before. And each of those uh, each of those circumstances, each of those situations, let's say maybe there are conversations you overhear as you're walking down the street and two people are talking, that might spawn a whole nother idea that you didn't have before if you were just sitting in your office or your home or whatnot. So I suggest any of you who are listening right now, any of you who have considered making your own podcast, uh, there are many benefits to it. I would say the biggest is documenting your life for your future self to listen back on giving yourself that present, your future present. Isn't that interesting? You're giving your future self a present in the present moment. How cool is that? So the more you do that, the more it inspires more fun stuff that you want to be able to give your, your future self. Not to mention, if you ever happen to have kids someday, or if you currently have kids or grandkids, making that podcast is going to be the greatest thing for them to listen to as they grow up, as they get older. I've said it before, and I have to reiterate it. Uh, it really affected me reading these journals that my grandpa kept. It was amazing to see his thoughts and his ideas and his philosophies. See them all written down there. And I thought to myself, gosh, I would love to see even more. I think it would be amazing to read even more of what was going on in his mind. Some folks leave journals, some folks leave diaries. Um, this is my audio diary, so to speak. The thoughts, the ideas, the inspirations, the happenings. I don't know about you, but I have a tricky time remembering what I did a week ago, or a day ago, or even hours ago. So to be able to put this down is just great. It's just phenomenal. I would also suggest any of you who live in a city 
where there's public transportation, I would suggest experiment with it. There are apps, all kinds of apps now that help you find the bus that you need to get to or the subway you need to get to or I'm sure a trolley if you live in San Francisco or wherever. There are tons of resources out there that enable you to utilize this public transportation awesomeness that's out there. So I would say maybe once a week, once a month, give yourself the gift of riding the buses or riding the subways for a day. It's amazing. You get astounding exercise. You see tons of interesting merchants, shops, otherwise, that you wouldn't normally see. When you walk on the street, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that coffee shop was here. And then you might stop in there and get, get an espresso or something. Not to mention all the interesting people that you meet along the way. Heck, you could do a whole podcast. Some folks do podcasts once a week. And that in itself would be interesting. Once a week, that could just be, you call it the travel podcast or the uh, public transportation podcast. Pete, what would that be? PT, the PTP, public transportation podcast. And then just go out there, go out there through the bus, go out there on the buses, go out there in the subways. Ride that public transportation. Document what you see, what you're experiencing, what's happening in that moment. Think about this this very moment is never, ever going to happen again. This specific moment will never, ever happen again. Never, ever, ever. These people that you're surrounded with right now, these people that you're surrounded with right now, the time, the exact time right now, that will never happen again. This particular date, it will never happen again. This specific set of circumstances, it's incredible. It's incredible. And to think that there are tons of inspiring possibilities just, just waiting out there in various camouflages. Tons of inspiring situations in various camouflages. Just just waiting to pop out and say hello. Heck, it could be a magazine, it could be a song that's overheard in a car that's driving by. Could be, uh, like there's a homeless guy who lives in my neighborhood. I see him riding around all the time and he's got a backpack full of these flutes. Or, I don't know what you call them, recorders, I guess? That he has whittled himself. He claims that he's, he's, he's made these things himself. And I guess that's how he makes his living. I think he was selling them for like 20 or 25 bucks a piece. That's pretty cool to say that you carved this thing. Reminds me of, uh, of Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks when he and Harry S. Truman are waiting out there in the car and Coop is carving a little whistle. Reminds me of that. The handiwork, the craftsmanship, it's incredible. 
We'll talk more later. Talk much more. Oh, before I go though, I just got off the phone with Lawrence August. He's my fellow uh, confederate, my collaborator, my co-writer. He and I have made those songs together. We write songs together. And we've been working together on the Operation Tone-Up stuff. I got a whole podcast of when I went out there for the Operation Tone-Up, the National Fittest School Challenge. That's a fun video I edited together of the event, if you want to check it out. It's called the National Fittest School Challenge 2018. Check it out. You'll see what went on out there in Hermosa Beach. That was cool. So things are moving right now with the Operation Tone-Up shenanigans and it's it's going to be an extraordinary service that helps these kids with exercise and nutrition when I was there these kids they they, they read the labels on all the food when they go to the, the grocery store with their parents they're reading the labels they know all about proteins and all that stuff it's, it's astounding 4.43 right now. I was supposed to meet Dave Uchansky at 4.30. I always misjudge how long it takes to get here. suppose we can say basically around uh, 15 minutes. I need to start factoring that into my brain from now on. So, yeah, that's all for now. Check out Operation Tone Up, and we shall definitely talk a lot more later.